Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. God is faithful. Always. He is always faithful. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes, most of the time, it's easier to look back on something that he's done in the past and see how faithful he really is. Uh, Melissa and I, a couple of different times in our marriage, have taken steps of faith, um, stepped out on what God spoke to us. One of those times was actually coming to Springwell. When we moved here, we were at a church. I was campus pastor at a large multi-campus church. We loved our family, loved the community, loved the community we had gotten at that church until one day when God spoke to us, spoke to me and told me, you're moving. And you know, over the last five years, I can look back and I can see that that was absolutely God speaking to me. But that's in retrospect, right? Because I can look back and I can see how he's kind of put things together. I can see that, yes, that was him speaking to me. Yes, he is faithful. But can we be, can we, we be real? Sometimes when you're in the moment, when you're in that time in life, it's a little more difficult to see. Because right now, you may be asking questions and you don't feel like God is speaking anything into you. Right now, maybe you have a decision that you need to make. It's an important decision, but you don't feel like he is speaking anything into your life. Maybe right now, your bank account is running really low. The bills are piling up. Things are tearing up around you. And right now, you know God has promised to provide for you, but right now, you don't see it happening. Maybe right now, somebody that you love is really sick and you know what you want and you've been asking God for it, but you can't necessarily see what he's doing in the meantime. It's always easier to look back at the faithfulness of God and see how he's been faithful than to live in it right now and try to find what he's doing. Today, I wanna kinda unpack that a little bit. My title today is Something to Go On. Something to Go On, and if there's one thing that you can write down, if there's one thing you can commit to memory today, It's this, go before you know. Go before you know. My task today, I believe, from God is very simple. It's to help you see that you can trust him, that you can follow him in those moments that are confusing and difficult and you can't put it together, that you can follow him even in those times without fear because we have a God who is always, 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 always faithful and he will do it again. What he did back then, he hasn't changed. He's just as powerful as he always been and whatever it is that you are going through right now, he is faithful now. You can trust him. So let's dive in to a, to a story in the Gospel of John. And this story, can I just say, this, this, this story kind of lays in the weeds and it doesn't get enough publicity. Like th- this story doesn't get near the publicity that like the woman at the well, the feeding of the 5,000, none of that. But I, what I hope you can see today is I hope, I hope you go back to this story or maybe you hear this story later and, and you see the value of it. Because as I was preparing for this and as I was reading through this story, I love this story. Are y'all ready? You, some, of you, some of you have heard it before. Pretend like it's your first time. 
If you haven't heard it before, pretend like it's, you've heard it before because you don't want to look unspiritual. But let's, let's, let's dive into this story, all right? This is, I'm telling you, you're going to go home, you're going to read it over and over, and you're going to be like, that is an awesome story. Let's go. John 4, starting in verse 45, this is what it says. It says, when, when he arrived, talking about Jesus, in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. Baptists, keep your ears closed. And if you don't know what that means, you're better for it. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. So Jesus is stepping into a region where he has already done some work. He has already performed a miracle. If you don't know the story, it's his first miracle. It's his first ever miracle. He comes into this wedding in Cana, and they're out of wine. Now, today, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but in this time period, the wedding that he is coming into, it would have been disgraceful to the groom had they ran out of wine. And so Jesus arrives on the scene, and we see his first miracle. He tells these people to go, fill up these jugs with water, they bring them back, and they turn water into wine. So this story would have been circulating this region at the time. They would have heard about what Jesus did. They would have heard about this story of how he turned water into wine. Word would have traveled by mouth. They would have tweeted it. They would have Instagram posted, all that stuff, and they would have heard what he had, what he had done, everybody in the region. Everybody in the region, but also this royal official whose son is sick, in a different region, he would have probably heard about this too. He would have, the word would have traveled that far that there was this man who literally saved the day at this wedding, saved these, this bride and this groom, and it would have been a big deal. So this man, this royal official who rides up on the scene, he knows that Jesus can, that Jesus can heal his son. His only question at this point is, will Jesus heal his son? And for some of us today, that is where you struggle. That's where I struggle in my faith. Can I be honest? Like, God, I know you can. My question is, will you? God, I know you could, but would you? God, I've seen you work. God, I can look back on my life and I can see how you've been faithful. I have scripture at my disposal. I can see how you've done it in the past. I know you can, God, but will you right now? Isn't that where you struggle sometimes? Or better yet, not only will you, but how long am I going to have to wait? How long am I going to have to wait? How much is it going to cost me? And how much is it going to hurt? God, I know you can, but God... Will you? So this royal official comes up on the scene, comes up to Jesus. And just to give you an idea of who this royal official is, he's not some guy doing grunt work. Like, he's not shoveling sheep do in the back. Like, he is, he, y'all thought I was going to say something else. I would never. I would never utter that word. But he's not, he's not like shoveling sheep do in the back. No, he is high standing. So th this, this royal official would have, would have had some people to do stuff for him. He would have had some people serving under him. He would have had some people serving him. He was a highfalutin, high-ranking official, but yet he still has trouble. Have you ever noticed that struggles, hard times, faith moments aren't just reserved for the people we think they are, but they're reserved for even the people we think have it all together? Like, 
the people that we think would have struggles, the murderers, the lowlifes, they have struggles. But did you know that the people sitting around you, and I know because one of the things I love about this church is how honest we are with each other and how honest you are with me. And I, and, and I know for a fact, there are people sitting around you right now that on the outside, they look like they have it all together but are still struggling inside. We, we all go through struggle. And for, for those of us who, who think we're mostly good people, that can be a struggle in itself. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm battling through something or when I'm going through something, I try to remind God of how good I've been. God, I go to church. God, I didn't say that word when I was talking about the sheep do. God, I haven't hurt anybody. God, I'm mostly a good person. And sometimes that's where my faith gets the weakest because I think I deserve something better than what I'm getting. In fact, some of you in here today, one of the reasons why you doubt God is because bad things happen to good people. It's a common question. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Well, God doesn't cause bad things to happen. No, God actually causes the good. Did you know that? Like we live in a fallen world with messed up humans. The world itself is groaning because of what happened at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis with Adam and Eve. The world itself is off balance. And so the default for our world is bad. God is actually the one who brings the, the good. And so, sure, nothing, nothing happens without passing through his hands first, but God is not to blame for the bad stuff in your life. He is to credit for the good stuff in your life because the default is bad. You're bad. I'm bad because we're sinful, because we're separated, because things are off balance. And so when bad things happen in my life, that's really the way it should be all the time if it wasn't for the grace of God. And so... God in his mercy and in his goodness and in his grace, he, he, he causes the good things to happen. And even the bad things that he allows to happen, he still works out for good because of who he is. Romans 8, 28, we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Bad things may, it may feel bad, but he is working them for good, y'all. He is putting it together for you. So sure, you go through struggle, you go through tough times, even though you're a good person, but he is still bringing it together. This high-ranking official rolls up on Jesus, and he's in a desperate spot. He's in a, he's in a, desperate, he's in a desperate time. And notice that he is coming to Jesus in this desperate time, did you know that your life is headed in the directions of the decisions you make during desperation? The decisions you make when you're in a desperate spot ultimately determine the course of your life. Some of you have experienced that in a bad way, haven't you? You made a decision. Maybe you thought it was the best decision to make at the time. It was all you needed to do. But looking back on it, you've paid for that bad decision some of you, you made a bad decision in a desperate time and you knew it was a bad decision, but you didn't care. And you look back and you can see how you got in the mess because of the decisions that you made, whether you tried your best or you said, forget it, I'm doing my own thing. Some of you have been on the other side of that. You've made some good decisions in desperation and it's made all of the difference. Your life is headed in the direction of the decisions you make during times of, of, of desperation. And so this royal official travels what would have been 20 to 30 miles from Capernaum 
because he's desperate for Jesus to change his situation. Are you desperate today? Like, not, a, not all of you are. But some of you, you come into this place and you are desperate for God to do something. You are desperate for him to change a situation. You are desperate for him to change your, your child's life. You are desperate for him to heal someone. You are desperate for him to provide finances. You are desperate to get out of the cycle of depression that has haunted your family for years. Are you desperate this morning? Because your decision needs to be run, to run to Jesus, not away from him. Because what I've noticed with people is when you get in a desperate situation in life, you will either run from Jesus or you will run to him. The decision you make right now is gonna determine the course of your life. Run to him with the anxiety. Run to him with the pain. Run to him with the struggle. Run to him with the questions. Run to him with the sickness. Run to Jesus. This royal official is gonna travel 20 miles because he heard that that guy who turned water into wine is there and I am desperate and so I am running to see if he can do something. Which direction are you gonna run? Which direction are you gonna go? Are you gonna continue down the track you've been in that got you in the desperation in the first place, are you gonna run back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know what you're gonna do. I can't see it yet, but I trust you and I believe you're gonna do something. I have something to go on and that is your mighty hand at work in my life. Which direction are you running? This royal official, he makes the right decision and in desperation, he comes to Jesus and in verse 47, it says, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went and he begged him. Notice it says to come and to heal his son who was close to death. The royal official has a, what would we call, we would call a crisis of faith. And he needs Jesus to speak. He needs Jesus to do something, and I imagine that part of him, it doesn't say this in the text, but I imagine that part of him is thinking, what in the world do I have to lose? What, what do I have to lose? What, what, what is my other option? My, my son is, is, is dying, and, and, and I can imagine that, that, he's even, that he's even tried other things, and nothing's worked. That he's tried to be a good person, he's tried to butter God up, Maybe he's tried some, some home remedies. Maybe he's taken his son to a couple of doctors and none of that worked. And so now he is traveling 20 or 30 miles to get to Jesus because he's having a crisis of faith. What if your crisis of faith this morning is being worked so that you can have a clear view of, what, of your faith? What if this place of desperation when you feel like you don't have any other options, when you feel like everything is so rough and so bad and so the only thing you have to do is come to Jesus, what if this is the place that he's been bringing it all to give you a clear picture of who he is? This royal official comes to Jesus and Jesus responds. Verse 48, it says, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Now on the surface, if you just read these verses for face value, it looks like Jesus is kind of clapping back at the man. Like he's kind of fussing at him. But what Jesus is, is essentially doing is he's frustrated just by the lack of spiritual awareness of the culture, not of this man. 
And so what Jesus is saying is, I don't ever mind when you come to me in desperation. Like, I am not a, a crutch. And, and I hear that sometimes, that people say, I don't, I don't want to come to Jesus because I don't want to use him as a crutch. Well, if that's what it takes to get you to Jesus, Jesus will be your crutch. It's okay. I know you may not have followed him at any point in your past, but right now you find yourself needing something to lean on. He is totally okay with you coming to him right now as a crutch. But what Jesus is telling these people, he's saying, I don't mind you coming to me for rescue, but would you stay close to me for relationship? He's saying, I don't mind you running to me for a healing, but would you stay and let me help you through your life? Jesus doesn't mind you coming to him when you, when you don't have any other options. He doesn't mind that being the starting place of your faith. But what he's telling them is he's saying, don't just let this be the starting place. Let me love you through life as you go. And he's telling this royal official, you, you, come, come on, come on, come on, come on. But, but don't just come and let me solve your problems. Let me come and walk with you through life. Do relationship with me. Do life through me. And then maybe next time your life won't get into this spot. So here's where the rubber meets the road. The royal official has taken a chance. He's moved in desperation. Now everyone is waiting to see what Jesus is going to do. And then verse 50, Jesus looks at this man and he says, go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. So after all of this buildup, Jesus looks at him and says, go. No 10 steps to healing. No special prayer I have to pray. No beads to hold. He just tells him to go. And, and the word go there is actually kind of a rough translation, but Essentially, this man is begging Jesus to heal his son, and Jesus doesn't just give him a casual go. It's much more aggressive than that. Jesus is really telling him, he's like, go, you better go. You better run and see what I just did. You better go right now. He's healed right now. You better go and see what I did because just the word of Jesus can change everything. I have, I want to play this out. I've pre-selected a volunteer over here. Sam, will you come on up here? Y'all give it up for Sam. I was going to ask for volunteers, but I thought y'all might leave me hanging. So I, I, covered, I, I covered it with a volunteer. We're going to turn him this way. Now, Sam is going to be Jesus. I know it's a stretch. <laughs> Johanna, Logan, I know it's a stretch. But he's a very godly man, but he ain't Jesus. But he does have the beard for it, so we're good. And the reason, why, the reason why I wanted to, to help this come alive for you is because I think there's, there's so much power here. So I, I want to kind of reenact this. I'm going to be the royal official. He is going, he's going to be Jesus. So just put yourself there. Can you, parents especially, can you put yourself there? Your, your child is deathly sick. You've, you've been watching his, his condition deteriorate over a month span. You've heard about this man named Jesus, how he turned water into wine and how he's done all of this amazing stuff. And somehow you hear through the grapevine that he's 20 to 30 miles away. And, and, and so you're desperate and so you're like, I'm, I'm gonna do anything I can to get to Jesus. 
And so maybe you walk, maybe you ride, maybe you, maybe you run, and you finally get to Jesus and you have face time with Jesus, the only one who could possibly help you. Finally, the crowd has cleared and it's just you and him. And so maybe you've been running, maybe you're, maybe you're sweating and you literally, you drop to your knees and you start begging this man who you think could be more. And you say, would you please, please, please heal my son. I'm desperate, I've got nothing left, he's dying. If, if you'll just come with me, if you'll just come with me and, and go back and, and you can see him and, and you can just put your hands on him. I've heard how you've done it before. Please, Jesus. And Jesus looks at you and he says, go. Wouldn't you want to ask Jesus, can you text me a picture? <laughs> can you text me a picture to prove to me that he's been healed? Thank you, Sam. But instead, Jesus tells him to go, to take me at my word, and to go. That royal official has something to go on. What is it? It's the word and the power of the man he just begged to heal him. You have something to go on. It's the love and it's the power of a God who is in complete control of your life. You have something to go on. But here's the deal. You don't get a picture texted to you. You don't, you don't get to, to know ahead of time. What Jesus is speaking to some of you today is he's saying, I know you don't see the full picture yet. I know you don't see how I'm gonna work it out for your good. I know it doesn't look good right now, but you've got to go before you know. You've got to trust before you see. You've got to continue to believe even though things aren't getting better. You have something to go on and it is a God who has never failed you yet and never will. Come on, somebody. I mean, there's a big difference, isn't there? between what you see with your eyes and what God is telling you to trust him with? He's saying trust, but I'm out of money. He's saying trust, but their situation tends, the situation tends to get worse. He's saying trust, but they've been sick for a long time and it's not getting any better. He's saying trust, but you've been in this state of depression for months now. He's saying trust, but you don't like the place you're in. And that is where some of you are today. You're in a crisis of faith. You're in a desperate place. You're down to your last hope. You've tried everything else. You're lost. You need God to speak. You have no direction. You're begging for direction. You have no other choice and you want a clear cut final picture of what God is doing, but instead God is saying, go and trust me. Go before you know. And that is much of the Christian life, isn't it? Not knowing how it's gonna go, but trusting him to get you to the end. In fact, there, a lot of people will say that fear is the opposite of faith. Well, no, assurance is the opposite of faith, right? 
Faith isn't about what you know. It's about what you trust when you don't know. And that's important for some of you because you feel like you have no faith. Because you don't know that you know that you know. No, you have faith because you're running to Jesus. That's what faith is. It's not having a final picture and being able to see the sun healed before you run home. It is being able to trust while you're on your way back home because the words of Jesus have spoken. That's what, that's what faith is. And why? Why does Jesus operate like this? Because he's all about relationship and trust is essential in any relationship. And so in order to draw you close, in order to have you in the best possible spot that you can ever be, sometimes he will force you to trust him before he shows you the end result. If you're waiting to be 100% positive before you make a move, 100% positive that God is gonna do what you want, 100% positive that God is going to do something that is is beyond your understanding, 100% positive that he has even spoken something to you, you will never move because you will never be 100% sure. That is where faith fills in the gap. You gotta go before you know. Even with trembling, even with fear, even with uncertainty, that's what this royal official does. You know what I've noticed sometimes? When I get in a desperate spot, you know, sometimes my lack of faith is less about God and it's more about me. Because I don't know about you, but if I really want something to work, then I start analyzing my own behavior. Do y'all? Have I done enough? Have I talked to enough people? Have I controlled the situation enough? Have I lived a good enough life? And what I'm doing is I'm not doubting God. I'm doubting my own self. Because just being real with you, I think that if I have done enough and it doesn't work out, I can blame God. You're never gonna be 100% sure but you have to trust that you do your part and then you have something to go on because God is amazing at working things out when you missed dotting an I. This man goes on what Jesus said and look at verse 51. This thing's driving me nuts. It says, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. And this is really cool, y'all. This is what I'm saying. This story is overrated. This is like the bottom of the Netflix pile where you just found the greatest show in, on Netflix and you're like, why did it feed me all this other crap? And you, you, this, is, this, is, this is that show, y'all ready? When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Not only did Jesus do it, he did it in perfect timing. He always does. So so he and his whole household believed. It's what God does. He keeps his word. He keeps you in the palm of his hand. You can go before you know because he's always faithful. And here's the thing in all of this. If you never step out, if you never go and trust God, you'll never see his love and power firsthand. Trusting God is the soil in which our faith has grown. 
Keep in mind that there were people with Jesus the day he healed this royal official. It was his disciples. It was the people that he did life with. It was those that he was pouring into. One of those disciples that day would have been Peter. Peter was the foul-mouthed disciple. Y'all know about him. The one who was always kind of doing his own thing, was barely saved, but saved. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all have those friends. That's Springwell. I love y'all. But Peter would have been there. Peter would have been there that day. There's a story in Matthew 14, and if you've been in church, you've heard it, but a windstorm comes up. The disciples, including Peter, are in a boat, and Jesus actually comes towards them walking on the, on the water. And Peter speaks up, as he always does. In verse 28, it says, he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if, 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 not Lord, it's you. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. And look at what Jesus tells him. He gives him another directional comment. Jesus says in verse 29, it says, come. Not go this time. Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And I want to make sure you see this. Peter, who had seen not just Jesus healing this royal official's son, but had seen most of what Jesus did because he was in Jesus' inner circle. When he gets into this tough spot in life, he feels like he's about to drown. He sees Jesus, he thinks it's Jesus, but he's not 100% sure. Can't you just imagine the thought process? Is that Jesus, is that, is that you? Keep in mind, he could see the physical Jesus. He wasn't, just tr- he wasn't praying, seeking for some voice. He could see Jesus, but he's like, Jesus, is that you? And can't you just imagine that what goes through his mind is, well, it, it, looks, like, it looks like Jesus. It, 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 it sounds like Jesus. I can't hardly hear for all the wind, but it, it kind of sounds like Jesus. And then there's this moment of decision for Peter where he decides, you know what? I am 75% sure that it's Jesus telling me to come, and so I'm going to step out of the boat, and I'm going wave walking. Because when you're listening for God's voice, And when you're trusting God, at some point, you got to put your foot in the water and trust him. So Peter, not from being 100% sure, but from acting on faith, becomes the only one who's not the son of God to literally step on top of the water. Not because he's 100% sure how it's going to turn out. And if you know the end of the story, he walked a couple of steps and then whoop. But the reason he stepped out is because the voice of Jesus, the past things that Jesus had done gave him something to go on. He knew I can go before I know. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's people in this room this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus because you thought you had to have 100% clarity about everything that he is. 
Or maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus because you thought that meant you had to clean up before you could come to him. You had to get things right. You had to get life aligned right. You had to quit doing this and quit doing that. And today Jesus is saying, I'm okay with you coming to me in desperation. I'm okay being your crutch right now. If you need to accept Jesus, and that simply just means confessing him as the boss of your life. If you need to do that this morning, in the quietness of this moment, just say, Jesus, I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out and I don't have all of the answers, but I trust you. I believe that you came to earth. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you died on a cross and I believe you rose from the dead three days later. I believe you're the way that I can be forgiven for all of the wrong that I've done. I trust you, Jesus. My life is no longer my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look this way. For others of you today, God is telling you that you have something to go on. You've been putting it off, a decision, and a a thing that you're trusting him with. You've been putting off obeying him. And today he is telling you, you have something to go on. You can trust me. You don't know what the future holds, but I do. He's telling you that even though it's hard, you can go and trust him. That even though you're not completely sure, you can go and trust him. That even though you're scared and shaking in your boots, you can go and trust him. That even though you're still walking through depression, you can go and trust him. Even though you don't have a picture of what it's going to turn out like, you can still trust him because he is ever faithful, ever gracious, full of love and compassion for you. You have something to go on and he is worth your trust. I don't know what it is for you today, but I get to sense this morning sitting in this room that there are people today and you know exactly what you need to do. But you've been dismissing it because you want 100% sure like you were literally waiting on God to write you a note. Today, he's saying you gotta go before you know. Some of you today, and I feel this, you're having to trust God with things you never thought you would have to trust Him with. It's new territory for you because you've always had it all together. And there's part of you that's even been wondering, God, have you just like checked out of my life? God, are you even real? Because I shouldn't be going through this pain. Do you know me? And today he wants me to tell somebody today, open your eyes and see Him working and trust Him. You have something to go on. Some of you today, you're, you're living in a season of depression. And it's the first time it's ever cro- cropped up and you're wondering, have I done something wrong? Will this ever end? Will I ever be able to get out of bed? Will I ever be able to genuinely smile again? He wants me to tell you this morning that he has never left your side. That you, you need to talk to somebody but you will get through this, but you gotta trust him. You have something to go on. You have something that's gonna make you keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's his love, it's his grace, it's his past resume. It is flawless. So let me ask you some questions to try to help you process this. Y'all ready? 
How have you seen Jesus work in your life in the past? And how can it give you faith for what you're going through right now? Do you remember the 12 times before you thought that your life was gonna be miserable to the end, but yet you still found joy a month later because of the work of God? He'll do it again. When you didn't think you were gonna be able to get through that, you were overwhelmed with anxiety and stress, you made it. You'll make it again. Question number two, have you been putting off doing what God has told you because you thought you needed to be 100% sure? But today, maybe you're like 75. You have something to go on. Step out, step out of the boat. It's time. Trust him. Number three, are you having a hard time trusting God with a difficult life situation right now? Run to him. Don't run away from him. You have something to go on. It's the amazing favor, love, and power of Jesus, but you're gonna have to go before you know for sure. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for always being faithful. God, even over my short life, I can think back to the times where I see the evidence of how great you've been. God, the things that even seem like inconveniences at the time that did something inside of me and for my relationship with you that nothing else could have done. God, I pray over every person in this room, every person watching online, every, every soul that hears this message. God, I pray that they would step out of the boat and trust you. God, that even though they may not have a picture of the final result, that they would still go that they would still run to you and trust that you have it all in your hands. God, you're so good to us. You've been so good to me. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for the honor and the privilege to teach your word. Holy Spirit, would you just show each person what they need to know? Would you speak to them the words that I don't have? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.